Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Anthony Sabatino. He's the founder and composer for Tabletop Tunes. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Tabletop Tunes is actually really innovative and cool. But before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, I'm uh, originally from uh, the Kansas City area, a little suburban uh, area called Lenexa, Kansas. It's it's really close to Overland Park, which I think a lot of people know. Overland Park and Olathe. Lenexa is kind of the the black sheep sister, if you will. No, it, it's fine. <laughs> they're, they're basically all the same place for the most part. I, I'm sure maybe Overland Park and Olathe people would be offended by me saying this, but guys, face it, we're we're basically all the same place. So <laughs> we've got all the we've got all the shared restaurants, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, so um, I grew up uh, around here. Uh, and, uh, I started playing piano, uh, man, I think it was probably late kindergarten, early first grade, maybe the summer oh, between wow. the two or something. So I've been playing for a while now. Um, I'm 28 now, so I guess that would be 23 years ish, 24, 20, 22. I don't know. 20, 20 ish years. Um, I've been playing piano and I got started. Uh, my parents had like an old, player piano upright that i'm actually now working on restoring so i could have it that's um, cool now and apparently yeah we got it's well uh, i had some guys take a look at it and apparently it's in really good shape and it's over 100 years old i was like whoa that's that's nuts <laughs> so it's apparently that's just, cool like, need very little stuff but I, I started playing piano yeah around then and <clears throat> when i started playing it was just kind of you know the basic stuff like the little faber and faber books uh just basic like abc kind of marietta little lamb that stuff and it was all kind of like you know i'm a kid playing piano it is what it is uh but when i started to learn to play stuff like the star wars music or music from super mario bros those were the pieces that i get really excited about playing and it was fun because you'd show people that i mean people was like okay yeah good job you played marietta little lamb on the piano everyone does that and but then when you start playing star wars all of a sudden people are like whoa hey i know that i know oh i know mario bros and so that that kind of I think it was a click for me in a way, although I maybe didn't even consciously realize it until years later, but there was always this kind of love of uh, film and game music for me, it's like playing it on there, listening to it. Uh, it was just always something that really inspired me and excited me in the music space. So <clears throat> I, I basically just took lessons i wasn't classically trained per se i did take lessons but there, there's kind of a difference between quote-unquote classically trained and uh i guess contemporarily trained i, I suppose um, sure. so i didn't have like a huge amount of classical repertoire until maybe near the end of high school uh where i started to get into a little bit more of like the more intensive pieces like some mozart and gershwin and uh wc kind of more more traditional composers as opposed to playing you know star wars and mario and all those things <laughs> um uh, so 
I, after, um, after high school, actually during high school, I started uh, taking some online classes through Berkeley college of music just because, well, they were cheaper. And also, I don't know, I, I was, I was kind of afraid to leave the Midwest in a way. It was like, Oh, I have been so far away from my family and friends and big city kind of thing. It, it, I mean, it's not like I'm in a, like a rural small town or anything. It's the suburbs pretty close to the, the city, but it was just kind of one of those things like, Oh, that seems kind of scary, but Hey, they've got online classes and they're also three times cheaper. So, Hey, maybe I'll do that instead. So I started doing some online classes for a songwriting and guitar uh, around my senior year of high school and took those classes for, I think it lasted for about two and a half years or so, took about uh, an online class ever, every semester or so. And during that time, after I graduated high school, I started going to the University of Kansas. Uh, that's where both my parents went and it was nearby and it seemed seemed pretty fun. And I went to study film there. So I knew there was kind of a film game connection in there. I just re- didn't realize it was the music side that I was, I guess, destined to go towards, if you will. So I went to uh, Kansas, University of Kansas, and started as a film major. But the program there wasn't really happening for me. It seemed more focused around film criticism instead of filmmaking and film production, which I was just like, eh, I mean, I get it, but it's not really what I'm interested in. So I ended up actually switching from film to electrical engineering. That's what my dad had done. And I had been working for his company uh, doing just various data uh, analysis stuff with him since like maybe sophomore, junior year of high school. So I figured, ah, well, I guess might as well, you know, do that, work for the family business, that kind of thing. And then after about two semesters of that, my GPA had gone to the toilet. I was just like, okay, maybe this, maybe this isn't for me necessarily. So I, I didn't really know what to do. So I switched to communications just because I was like, oh, well, I, I kind of like communication stuff. I had, had a, took a speech class that I really liked, but I, I definitely wasn't really feeling good about everything I was doing. And then when I came home for Christmas during my sophomore year at KU, I was visiting a family friend and playing some piano for them. And they were like, you know, Anthony, I don't think you're dreaming big enough. I think you need to to maybe keep pursue music. And I was like, maybe you're right. And uh, then I told my parents about that. And they're like, well, we were actually going to recommend, since you seem unhappy with uh, the KU stuff, why don't you apply for Berkeley? You really like those online classes. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. And so I ended up kind of putting my application together, scrambling, putting in all all this stuff kind of hastily and then I auditioned and then I ended up not getting in. I was totally bummed, but I was like, okay, you know what? This is definitely where I need to be. I music and Berkeley. Berkeley is very much like the contemporary music school. And I was like, this is where I've got to be. This is kind of my path. So I moved back with my parents. I went to a local community college, which actually happened to have a, an audio production program there ran by uh, there were a couple of actual Berkeley alumni on the staff there. And so I ended up taking some of their classes. I took, started taking music theory class lessons. I started taking voice lessons. Uh, I, I started doing more classical piano training, kind of like retroactively get my classical training background uh, in there. And so then I reapplied and re-auditioned and I got in. So that was really exciting. That was, uh, I believe, 2013, 2014, when I did that whole isolated island montage of training to get into Berkeley. <laughs> and uh, so I got in and, and started in 2014, fall of 2014, and ended up uh, dual majoring in film scoring and electronic production design with a minor in conducting. 
And uh, I, I really compressed it. It's uh, usually a dual major program is about five years, but I was able to shove it into about three years with a combination of transfer credits since I had done some schooling beforehand and I did some online classes and I took summer semesters. And so I was able to compress this 10 semester mega program into uh, eight semesters and compress that into three years while with the two summer semesters. So it was a very, it was a big whirlwind of uh, work, but it was, it was exciting because I, I like to have a lot of things going on. I, it's just, it's enjoyable too for me to just have kind of a lot of irons in the fire, if you will. And so that was really fun going through that. And so then during my last uh, year or so for uh, at Berkeley, I kind of been eyeing USC and their graduate program in, uh, well, it was called scoring for media and television or something like that. It's called screen scoring. Now it actually, it was originally a certificate program, but now it just got upgraded to a full on master's degree program. Nice. And so I, I'd kind of been, I, eyeing that program around the time that I'd gotten into Berkeley as well. And so I started preparing my application and everything during my last uh, year or so in Berkeley and then applied and got in there as well. And that was really exciting because uh, they only accept 20 students a year. So wow, it's, congrats. It's pretty, That's huge. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it was really fun. And it was, I met a lot of great people. Everyone in the program was really nice. Apparently, there's there's like there's been previous screen scoring classes in the USC program that have just like hated each other but we all pretty much got along and we were helping each other out which was really that's nice awesome. because that 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 sounds exhausting to have like an entire class of rivals <laughs> so sure well and was, then just like going forward once you guys are out working in the field right like just having people that you've worked with before that you get along with and being able to like potentially work with in the future right is a big deal oh yeah and that that was another thing as well that i really liked is because and we'll be like, we've got a little Facebook group too, is that if someone has like a job that they're leaving or they know of a job that's opening up, we'll usually post stuff like that uh, to people and be like, Hey, if anyone's interested in this, I'm leaving this job or looking for a replacement or like, Hey, I'm leaving this stuff, looking for a lease. And so it was a pretty tightly knit group, which was really fun. Really liked that. And uh, yeah, so I went there and a, a, a big reason why I was really interested in the USC program, other than I heard it was really intensive uh, is it's got a very tightly knit uh, uh, relationship the music school does in that p program, particularly with the cinema school at USC. And uh, the cinema school also encompasses the game development program. And so there were multiple networking events where we'd meet other student filmmakers to work on. There, there was an actual like a little auditorium pitch meeting where students would come in and pitch their projects and talk about the films that they were working on and what they were thinking musically. And then we could reach out to them and kind of audition, try to uh, uh, basically see if it would be a good fit to work with them. And so that was a really cool function that I was really excited about because Berkeley it's, you're going to a school with all musicians. And so obviously if you're into the kind of like, if you want to start a band or you want to get a bunch of musicians together for kind of collaborations, it's great for that. But if you're interested in doing uh, anything like film, make film scoring, game development stuff, it's a little bit trickier because you're just working with other musicians. And obviously it's not a bad thing. I had a lot of great musician friends when I was there as well. And I still actually will call upon them to record on projects I'm working on actually for tabletop tunes. I called on a number of Berkeley graduate friends uh, that I, uh, had worked with in the past to record. So it's definitely a uh, a good mix. But yeah, USC, since it's got other programs, there's a lot more opportunities for scoring for just various other media uh, 
mediums. <laughs> so uh, when I was there, so I think for the, I think you're required to do five student projects to actually graduate the program, but okay. I really wanted to get as many projects as I could. So I think I ended up doing around 40 to 45 student wow. projects. Uh, and then I, I got signed on to a whole bunch of games through the game developer program. They, they have a really cool program where uh, you can pitch your game as an undergrad. Well, I guess your graduate students could do it too. You pitch your game to the faculty in the the uh, games department and they will pick kind of the cream of the crop favorites and then they'll actually kind of invest into that game and being developed into a, a more full game. And there's a number of uh, big kind of, well, not AAA games, but like pretty large uh, cult following indie games that have come from that program too. Uh, the, the big one a lot of people talk about is Journey. Uh, sure. Which That's is a cool. PlayStation game. So yeah, and so it was really cool. And so I, I worked on a number of those projects. It's called Advanced Game Project. And that, that's kind of how I got into uh, doing a lot more game projects through them. And so after that, uh, I graduated. And I, I kind of had a, there's a decision to make at the end of USC. Because usually there's the typical composer route to for film composer and game composer specifically is you've got kind of like, two maybe three routes and so the the main route that usually people take is you work as a an assistant for a composer where you have to do a bunch of the grunt work session preparation maybe a little bit of prepping uh sheet music uh orga organizing files printing stems and getting them ready to be sent out to the dub stage a lot of kind of crazy things that you'd have to do that are just kind of I don't want to say like mindless tasks because they're not They're there. You have to be very, uh, very mm -hmm. careful when doing them to be organized, but they're, there's, they're tasks that aren't very creatively fulfilling. So it's understandable why like the, the big name composers would be like, ah, I don't want to deal with this crap. You, you do it assistant. And so it, it's stuff that needs to be done. It needs to be done well, but it's also, I think for when, for the big dogs, it's something that they shouldn't be spending their time on necessarily. And so I, I saw a lot of that and it would, it looked like a lot of these assistants would have these really crazy hours, like doing all nighters for the working for these composers and stuff. And it, it seemed like a very kind of thankless job mentality. And I was kind of thinking, I don't know if that's really what I'm necessarily interested in, because it's also one of those things where the idea is you assist this composer for maybe five to six years. And then eventually when they become overburdened with projects or offers, they'll start passing some, some projects down to the assistants. But it, it, what I was kind of seeing is it didn't seem like assistants were getting projects passed down as often as maybe it was 10 years ago. It seemed like if a composer had more projects than they were able to score, they just hire another assistant. And then that assistant would then help with more grunt work. And it, that, it just didn't seem like something that I was really interested in. It seemed kind of like almost a dead end in a way from my perspective. I mean, I've got lots of friends who are doing it and doing really well, so it works for them. But I, I just wasn't as interested in that kind of work lifestyle. And so the other route would be kind of the freelance route of you work on a bunch of different projects you uh maybe a lot of them are unpaid some of them are paid but it's it's like you'll you'll work on a ton of different projects and you'll have kind of more of a variable paycheck and then usually you'll have to have some other job as a supplemental income and fortunately i was lucky enough well my wife uh we were married we got married the, during the time at uh, berkeley and she's a nurse so she's got pretty solid job security and so she was at least one paycheck and then i also still do work for my dad's company as well remotely so that was able to bring in money too. So I was, I was very fortunate to actually be able to afford to 
go the freelance route, the uncertain paycheck route, but still be able to kind of manage it and hunt down projects and things like that. And so I, I had been doing that for the last, um, I guess it's been three years now and uh, it seems to be going well thus far. I've really enjoyed it. And with, with these kind of freelance projects, you know, hopefully if it's a good fit on the first, then you'll get a call back from the director or developer producer, and then you'll get some more work. It, a lot of it ends up being unpaid, but then eventually it'll be like, oh, hey, I've got this project and it is paid. And then they start stacking up the more and more you do. And then, hey, you don't have to worry about doing work, remote work for your dad, I guess. <laughs> no, it, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because I think there's such a focus these days on everything. You need to be paid for everything you do. And I'm not saying... I'm not against that because obviously like people want to get paid and, and yeah. a lot of people need to get paid to survive. But I think what gets lost in that translation is there's sometimes it's like you're helping a friend out or there's like a, something that you want for like a portfolio piece or like, I, I yeah. think like if it makes sense and you can pull it off and you want to do it, like doing stuff unpaid and like, there's a lot of famous kind of designers and developers and musicians and other artists that, you know, do stuff for, you know, like free to kind of tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, yeah. thousands of dollars. Like, and it's because like when you, when you're passionate about something, sometimes like you do something for free, you use that project to leverage um, as a portfolio piece to leverage other work, other paid yeah. work. Right. And so like, I'm not telling people what to do, but I think in a lot of cases, like I've done some stuff for free before because I'm like, you know what? I really want to just work on this. And like, and yeah. then that's led to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in other work. And I think people just forget about that nowadays, at yeah, least in I, my experience. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people, this is kind of a contentious subject on some like online composer forums and stuff, which I, I generally don't visit anymore because it would just be kind of just noise of this same kind of discussion. Sure. And people always try to like quantify it, like only do a project uh, that you have to meet some of these three requirements and stuff. And there's always trying to like create a formula to like specifically weigh, run the variables to determine whether or not you're doing a project. And it's, I mean, that's nice as like a starting template maybe, but there's, there's so many variations on it. Like maybe you're working with something, it's just like a really cool project and they can't afford it, but you, you want to work on it anyways. It's like, just do it. And um, I remember one of my professors at Berkeley, uh, he was a video game music professor, uh, Michael Sweet. He had a really great line uh, or I guess policy, he said regarding unpaid work. And he said, if everyone else on the project is getting paid, you should get paid. If no one yeah, else on the project is getting paid, you shouldn't have like, feel like you need to require getting paid and i think that's a pretty solid thing because it's like when everyone's kind of doing it out of the 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 kindness of their hearts like kind of going in pro bono then being the the one jerk that's like no i demand to get paid it's, it's going to kind of throw off the the chemistry and then all of a sudden like the if it's a film project the dp is going to be like well hey i, I want to get paid too and like the makeup artist like yeah why am i not getting paid and it it's not really good for morale i think if if you guys can afford it it's like everyone and everyone can work and it's like you're willing to do it unpaid and nobody else it's as long as it's not being like an abusive uh um what's what's the word um uh, I guess yeah like you're getting taken advantage of yeah getting taken advantage of no i i totally get it and like yeah, I think 
especially as like another creative person like yourself, it's like sometimes you just you just want to work on that project, right? And it's not really about like almost it's like selfishly you just you need it for your like spirit and creative soul, right? Yeah. Like it, it's it's kind of interesting. And if you're not really like a I think everybody's creative or can be creative. It's just some people choose to leverage it or not. But it's like as somebody that's creative every day, sometimes there's nice to step away from um, what you do it daily and work on something that you're kind of like, yeah, you know, like I want really want to yeah. kind of try this. So I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I mean, that's actually kind of what I was thinking with tabletop tunes in the first place. Uh, I guess this could be a, a transition or a, Perfect. Uh, I was going to uh, ask you about it. So let's get into it. But yes, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking with that is, I mean, I, I love working on films and stuff like that, but it was also one of those things where it's like, this sounds creatively fulfilling for me. And I wanted to, it, it's like one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to get a big giant fantastical uh, Lord of the Rings tier film to score anytime soon, at least. And so I was like, well, what if I maybe just make my own thing generally? Sure. Um, but yeah, so I guess let me give you the, the spiel on Tabletop Tunes. Sure. So uh, Tabletop Tunes is the app that uh, I've been developing with uh, a few of my friends, uh, Jacob Johnson, who is the programmer. And then uh, we had Art Assets done by Christy Zhu. And uh, so Jacob was a fellow Berkeley uh, alum. We actually met through the electronic production design major. He we had a, a number of classes together, but I remember that uh, when we had our programming, audio programming class together, he was just a whiz in the class, just blew everyone away with his programming skills. And I was just like, this guy knows what he's doing. And then I, I happened to just run into him in a synth shop in LA. And I was like, hey, and we, we chatted a little bit. And then I came up with the idea for tabletop tunes and decided to reach out because I knew that he was a good audio programmer and see if he was interested. And he was, but that's neither here nor there. Let me, Oh, and I guess for Christy, no, but... we, we worked on a game together as well. Um, and she, I, I composed music for the game that she was the uh, game director for. And I really liked her art style. So I, I asked if she'd be able to, uh, or be willing to do so. And she said, yes. And so she was able to create some art assets uh, that's awesome. But I, I think like, just to reiterate that, I think like so many people are just scared to ask. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you find somebody that you like their style or you meet like a really good programmer or, or designer or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's like, you never know what they're going to say until you just ask. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it was Kevin Smith said this once the director, Kevin Smith, uh, he was talking about how, when he's making films, he likes to surround himself by, uh, with people who like to say yes. Um, I, I sure. I'm assuming he didn't mean like, yes, men who just say yes to whatever crazy idea he was had, but it was something like, it's like, Hey, let's do a movie about this. And then people will be like, yeah. And then we can do this. It's like the game of yes. And where it's like, everybody just kind of comes together and it's like, yeah, let's do it. As opposed to being like, nah, it sounds too difficult. You know, yeah. it's, it's fun to collaborate with someone who just will build off of your excitement and energy. And I, I think that that was what was really great with working with Jacob and Christy on this is that they both were excited about the idea and saw the potential and were willing to, kind of go the extra mile and do that. But uh, I realized I, I haven't even actually explained what tabletop. Sure. I was going to ask you that. So how did you come up with the idea first? And then let's get into what it exactly is. Yeah. Well, um, my, my wife and I are big board game fans and okay. we will play board games a lot. We had a, a few friends in LA that would come over and we'd always be uh, playing board games together. Uh, a whole bunch of them like settlers of Catan, Carcassonne, King of Tokyo, 
uh, all kinds of different games. And we would be playing those and we'd always like to have music on because, you know, sometimes when you're playing board games and it's silent, it can be kind of awkward. Sure. So we would usually put on music. Uh, we varied it a lot. One thing that we loved to put on was the opening uh, song from the Disney Robin Hood movie. It's like the, the oh, whistling. Like a yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's put cool. That, I just put that on loop just to mess with my friends because they always found it annoying. And so we'd have it going on. <laughs> um, other times, my wife would just look up silly trumpet music and put it on. And, and another one we would like to do is just like a classic RuneScape music. So just put on the classic RuneScape stuff you got that old kind of cheesy sounding midi music and it was a lot of fun doing that but i was the problem that i always ran into was the music would always be kind of inconsistent or get really repetitive or wouldn't really fit the mode of what we were going for sometimes we would look up like classical music and that could fit like certain uh, more contemporary classical art uh composers like uh von williams was a one that we liked to use for some of our stuff like Settlers of Catan. But the problem with classical music and recordings is that they record very dynamically. So the parts that are quiet are really quiet. Then the parts that are loud will just explode and shake the right. entire apartment with the speakers. And so it's just like, oh, it'd be so easy if there was just like an app where you could have like genre-based music. Like, oh, if I wanted to be in a fantasy forest, I'd be able to be there. Or if I was in like a, a nice... Fisher ta fisherman town by the sea or something and then you could be able to pinpoint those categories and then i was thinking you know what why don't i just make that and it was one of those things where i was like i could maybe find a programmer i could find an artist i could write the music and handle some of the business stuff and we could kind of put it together and do it so that's what led me to reach out to jacob after seeing him at the uh, synth shop and he liked the idea and so we started kind of we had a few meetings uh to kind of square away some of the business stuff uh kind of locking in what like what we'd call it we were we were stuck between either tabletop tracks and tabletop tunes and we opted for tabletop tunes just because tunes is a little bit more uh, universally known for music a track is a little bit more technical term and we didn't want people to think like it's a train thing or something so we opted for tabletop tunes and did some scope i kind of drew up some little ui concepts that i was thinking oh it could probably look like this and we would play off of each other do kind of think of other ideas and stuff and uh pass videos back and forth and i was also looking around because i couldn't really find anything really like the app either i mean there's there's some spotify playlists which are okay generally and some youtube videos some people will put on stuff but it, it tends to be uh inconsistent stylistically is the main thing but also sometimes when people just make their own tracks for that it's not necessarily the highest quality out there and i mean i've been i've done a whole lot of work with music production obviously and making stuff sound as good as possible and orchestration all those all those important aspects of making music sound cinematic and whatnot so my goal was to just make really high quality immersive music that you'd be able to easily select and pinpoint the genre and feel with the the tap of a finger and to really help you just kind of get in and be able to uh, get into the mood when you're playing a video game or a board game. And then also to have it be able to be really adaptive. So if you're like, hypothetically, if you're playing like Dungeons and Dragons, you're just in the middle of a town and then some goblins show up, you can easily just switch over to a battle track and then it'll loop and you won't have to worry about setting repeats and stuff 
on that because when I when I would play some Dungeons and Dragons stuff, I would create like a playlist of stuff, but you'd have to be clicking on tracks and it would get boring and repetitive after a while and you'd have to use like multiple playlists and it was just too much too much work and focus and difficulty to just have a nice fun immersive soundtrack for when you're playing board games and so i was like well you know what i think this uh this app could be really fun i know especially it seems like board games are really in like a renaissance right now everyone's wanting to play board games there's so many new board games coming out every day Uh, board game cafes are seeming to be growing everywhere and so i was just like you know what i think this is this is something that people would want but it's also something that i i would enjoy using as well so it's kind of making it both as a fan of board games and a fan of music and just a consumer i was like this would be something that i would love to use and i know many of my other friends would love to use when playing games no that's really great and i think you're right i think a lot of people like obviously even before the pandemic were playing board games and yeah you're right like cafes and a bunch of stuff has kind of popped up around that but i also think too that people just want to disconnect sometimes from their phone or the internet, right? As somebody that yeah. sits on the internet all day, every day, and like, I'm not bashing it because it's how I make my living, but yeah. like, it's nice to have that disconnect, right? And do something yeah. with family or friends or both. And 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 then you're right. It's kind of a nightmare up until like what you guys are doing with Tabletop Tunes to actually match a soundtrack to what you're trying to do in the real world around gaming. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my, my other point as well is like, I just wanted to have really beautiful music stuff that was like easy listening, enjoyable, but not like too in your face necessarily. I mean, obviously when you're getting into stuff like battle music and whatnot, it's going to be sure. inevitably a little bit in your face. Cause it's going to be like drums, dun, 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 kind of intense feeling. But for the most part, I wanted it, it to be stuff that would be like you, you'd kind of enjoy listening to, but also not be like too intrusive and get in your face and really enhance the experience as opposed to kind of pull you away from the experience of playing games. And I mean, I've been, we, we've been testing it for about, um, I mean, it's been in various stages of, of usability for the past, I'd say maybe eight or nine months or so, maybe, maybe less than that, maybe like seven or eight. Uh, and I mean, it's really fun. And usually when I'm pull it, using it with, uh, my family or friends and we're playing games, it always helps add to the mood and it's, it's, it's been really fun. I'm really excited for people to start using it. Oh, that's cool, man. That That's awesome. You're right. And like, obviously like electronic video games and even just movies and shows and everything, they spend so much time and effort on like sound effects and music. And, and you, if you watch a show or movie where they take that out or before it's actually put in, it's a whole other experience when you add music and i think a lot of people don't realize how important that stuff is to your experience with whatever you're doing yeah yeah no i mean that that's the other thing as well as like i mean everyone's always listening to music generally if you're not listening to it on your headphones you're at the at the coffee shop and they've got music playing you're at the gym and they've got music playing you're watching tv and there's score underneath it you you're at some place and there's a tv on and it's playing it music is all over the place and you kind of don't really realize it. And I mean, obviously it is sometimes good to be able to get a little bit of a breather away from the, from all the music all over the place. But it's one of those things when, when you're playing, when you're trying to immerse yourself or, or just like kind of relax and have a good time, there's also kind of music for that too. And so being able to have this, 
kind of create your own soundtrack as you play, I think it gives you a lot of power as a player uh, for board games and such that you you're able to kind of give yourself your own storyline and kind of take control in a way of it. And it just, it, it gives you a really interesting feeling and it feels weird now for me to play board games without the app going or without music going. Why? Well, I only use the app for the music. Now I, once you go tabletop tunes, you never go back. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that's but, awesome. uh, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of weird once you're playing with it, it just feels strange. It's like, this doesn't feel right. I need to have the, the mood music to go with it properly. And, and it really does change things. And I mean, I think for the better and I'm sure other people will think for the better too, because it really just transforms the experience and makes it just so much more enjoyable. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So how do you plan on monetizing the platform or is it too early on or, and, and kind of yeah. where do you see table tunes going over time? Yeah. So our plan right now is um, so the app's going to be free to download and you'll have access to a number of tracks. And the way that we monetize it is you'll buy music packs. Gotcha. So the, the way that we've got it split right now is there's, well, there's four categories. There is explore, town, battle, and then miscellaneous. So within each of those categories, you'll have about two or three uh, variations within that. So for explore, you've got three locations, fantasy forest, cavernous cave, and dark dungeon. So when you purchase the, or well, when you download the app, you'll have access to one track from Fantasy Forest and one track from Cavernous Cave. Although Fantasy Forest and Cavernous Cave both have three tracks total, and then Dark Dungeon has two tracks total, you only have access to two of those. Uh, I guess that would be eight tracks. So Got you'd you. pay in order to get those tracks. You'd pay three ninety nine for the Explore Pack. For Town, we've got three categories as well. There's um, Town Village town kingdom and then tavern and so again with those you have one you get one track from village one track from kingdom and then the tavern tracks are locked and there's three for each of those categories so you get access to two of the tracks out of nine and then the town you would get 399 uh pay 399 for that too each of the pack are packs are 399 and then battle you have four different categories there's mild tense epic and boss but the battle system is different from the other systems, which I'm actually really excited about, is that it's an interactive uh, battle system. So you start it, and it's got a stinger that brings you in to the battle, and then it plays, but then you'll have an intensity slider. So you could actually slide back and forth between various intensities of the battle. Uh, so it'll add in, it'll crossfade layers in to make it more and more intense uh, and, and epic, if you will, during the... Um, the time that the battle track is playing. And you'll also have little stinger options to uh, transition out of the battle music. You'll have a victory, a defeat, and then a flea stinger. So victory, if you, you're in the battle, like say, I guess I'll just run through like a little scenario. So sure. for the, like hypothetically, you're playing a game where a bunch of goblins show up. So you've got five goblins. So let's say that's pretty intense. So you move the intensity slider to the middle. That'll be kind of like level two intensity. There's three levels of intensity total, basically. So, okay, five goblins, you kill a couple of them, and there's only two left. So now the intensity, you make it down to the lowest intensity. So the music's not as intense, but you've still got that driving rhythm. All of a sudden, 10 more goblins show up. So now it's a whole bunch of goblins, so you can slide the intensity layer up all the way, and you've got a lot of intensity. And then once you defeat them, 
then you can hit the victory stinger button and then it'll fade out of that battle music and play a little victory stinger. It was like, kind of, you're like, Hey, yeah, you won. And then it'll just return back to whatever music was playing before you hit the battle sequence, uh, wherever you left off in the track as well. So it's not like it'll just start right over. Uh, Jacob was really solid in being able to get a, a play function where we could actually track where you're at in the music and be able to just return to that. So, that's kind of the setup. And then defeat, if you like get defeated by the goblins, then you hit the defeat and just kind of like, wah, wah. <laughs> no, not <laughs> like awesome, that. Though. Not like that, but it's kind of like it plays off in the style and it's like, oh, you lost. And then flee is just kind of one of those things where it's just the musical peter out and return to whatever you were at before. Because we realize sometimes you just might not, there might not be a decisive answer. You ran away. So it's like, you don't really need a victory stinger or a defeat stinger to just, leave the battle necessarily and so we wanted to have that option as well for uh people and so for the battle pack you get access to only the tense battle uh system if you will and then you'd have to buy the battle pack to get access to uh tense epic and then boss and then miscellaneous uh there's just a few tracks in there there's kind of like a miscellaneous track section which includes the main theme for the app which is called the adventure begins which plays when you open the app and then there's a couple other tracks as well one of them is called space hub it's kind of more of a sci-fi sounding track and then the other one's bamboo palace which is uh it's it's fantasy sounding but it, it, it has a, a number of like east asian instruments that are in there so it's got much more of an eastern flavor and didn't quite work into any of the other categories that i had originally so i figured that it would just be good i like the piece and i wanted to include it in there but it also wasn't necessarily working for the other categories and then in miscellaneous we've also got just like a menu of stingers so if you buy the battle pack you could have access to the stingers and so just if you're like maybe in the middle of like a, a cave track and you want to have like a victory stinger for completing a quest or something if that's what you're doing then you could just hit a victory epic and then it'll play the epic victory stinger so just a little bit of extra control if you wanted to i, I mean maybe you won't use it uh, i've used it a few times in the testing but i just figured it would be nice to have for players who want to be able to use that no that's very cool so how do you come up with the inspiration and actually decide which type of kind of music to compose because it sounds simple but it's actually like very complicated and, and challenging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the whole topic of inspiration is a never ending one, but I, I mean, I I've always loved the fantasy genre. And I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of movies and games generally. So anything that's exciting and fun that I could get in that like will reel me in, I'll, I'll usually be sold on that. But I specifically fantasy has been a genre that I've always really liked and enjoyed and so I had inspiration, but what I ended up doing was I actually just went onto Google Images and pulled up a bunch of like fantasy wallpapers because there's yeah, lots of people who just make these really beautiful uh, landscape photos of like these or pictures of these fantastical worlds, fantasies. So I just typed in like fantasy forest for one of them or or fantasy wallpaper and just downloaded a few for inspiration and just kind of thought it was like, what would be as a fan of movies and games, what would be the coolest soundtrack to have if I were in this kind of situation? And that's basically where I started. And as I kind of went through that, I started getting more and more ideas. I originally had a, a few 
a number of ideas for the app when I was going. Like I wanted to have there to be like an explore forest, an explore cave, an explore dungeon. Uh, I had a few other ones as well that um, we're probably going to wait uh, to do later uh, in the game. So we we do plan to have expansion packs or uh, additional music packs released uh, in the future. We just want to obviously get the original, the initial version out first. But I I had a lot of other ideas that I thought would be really cool. Uh, It just wasn't necessarily feasible for the release. So I I was just kind of writing some ideas down and how it could probably work out. (laughs) And then eventually I... I locked in some ideas. I started getting some fantasy uh, uh, wallpapers and portraits and images to be able to get inspiration from. But after the first couple tracks, I basically just, I kind of was on a roll. I was like, okay, yeah. And it could be like this and started getting inspiration for a lot of different track ideas. I also get a lot of inspiration from some of my favorite scores for games and uh, movies as well. Obviously Lord of the Rings is a big inspiration. Game of Thrones, some of the music. Sure. Uh, certainly wasn't, uh, I guess, influenced some of the uh, ideas I had. And then uh, for from video games, things like uh, Witcher, uh, specifically Witcher sure. 3, The Wild Hunt was a big one. Um, even a little bit of like the old original Halo stuff. I had some ideas from that. Uh, the, the, what was it? The uh, Shadow of Mordor game, Lord of the Rings spinoff game was another one that had some some interesting music that kind of gave me some ideas for that. So it's a whole hodgepodge of different things that inspired me with some of the tracks, but, but yeah, it it was kind of one of those things where once I got started, it was just like, yeah, I got to keep going, keep getting more and more ideas for it. No, that's awesome, man. I I think it's, it's cool, right? That like you draw inspiration from, some stuff in the physical world, other artists, obviously like past stuff that you've played or, or watched or listened to. And it, it, it's cool where I always find it interesting to see where other creative people get their inspiration from. Right. And you're right. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool, just like people that creating this like digital art, whether it's in, you know, the space you mentioned or, or other things just for the fun of it. Right. There's some really, yeah. really talented people all over that, that just create this stuff because they love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really cool seeing a lot of people just putting all these things together and it, it's nice as well for me. Cause Hey, I can draw inspiration from it as well. And I, I think I can't remember who said it, but I think it was like a Vladimir Horowitz or something. It was like a, a renowned piano player with all of his students. He required them to go to an art gallery or something at least once a month to kind of immerse themselves with beauty and uh, appreciate beauty and kind of learn how to appreciate beauty in a way. And I, I, I remember when I heard that, I thought that was just so fascinating because it's like one of those things you don't really think about as far as like, especially sure. from music, as it's like, you're not really required. I'm mean, actually at Berkeley, you are required to take an art history class, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not something that you really think about is like gaining musical inspiration from art, even though that is actually how a lot of art, uh, musical art comes about. And I mean, it, also with poems and various other things as well, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of content that you can derive inspiration from. It just kind of comes down to finding what, properly inspires you and also being open to letting other things inspire you that you may not necessarily expect to inspire you. No, I, I totally agree, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about tabletop tunes yourself and any other links you want to mention? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, our website is tabletoptunes.com. Uh, I, I guess I could spell it. It's a T A B L E T O P T U N E S.com. Uh, you will be able to find all the links there. Um, as of recording right now, uh, the app's not up, but it is set to be out on the Apple App Store on March 9th. Uh, we also plan to release on Google Play and hopefully Android and stuff too, but we, we wanted to focus on the Apple App Store first because those are the devices we use. And uh, I mean, you're, we're, we're also obviously, we would highly recommend or highly appreciate if you purchase the, uh, the packs. Oh, actually, one thing I forgot to mention is that you can buy all the packs for a discounted price in the app as well. So instead of spending $3.99 on each of them, which would total up to about almost $12, you can spend $9.99 for all the music and uh, get a little little discount there. And so we'd recommend doing that. You could also get the album separately if you're so interested. Um, but yeah, so my portfolio is uh, anthonysabatinomusic.com. Uh, Jacob, actually, you can find all of our uh, websites on the, uh, or all of our links and portfolios on the Tabletop Tunes website. But uh, you'll be able to find, yep, that's my website. Jacob's website is jtjohnson-sounds.com. So that's jtjohnson-sounds.com. And Christy's website is xtxu.space. And uh, Christy's the artist. And so, you can definitely check out our works. Uh, we really hope you enjoy the app, and I especially hope that you enjoy using it as much as I have thus far. Very cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and having a good rest of your day. Yeah, thanks for having me on this, uh, right. Kevin. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community. Sign up for our newsletter or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.